Trottier for discussions of truth that could be happen happen be happen to be tuning in live. Then, then thanks. Consider yourself lucky, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, what a show coming up here today, jam packed. Uh, normal slot, five o'clock Eastern. And um, look, uh, Carla Spalding is scheduled to. Uh, to join, I've, I've just got to get her in. Um, Jason Mariner, who was recently endorsed. Uh, let's see, he was endorsed by, um, slipping my mind here. Um, let me get this for you. Uh, Newt Gingrich, I think, recently endorsed. Jason Mariner, Rudy Reyes. It's on the slate here. Uh, I just finished a special edition Sunday. Uh, and, and by the way, Saturday night, uh, Saturday night, I joined uh, the gentleman over at Earth Radio Network for a two-hour interview. You can you can find that interview uh, on their Rumble channel, uh, unless uh, unless it's still up. I haven't checked the one I did with them, but it was uh, a few days ago when I checked Earth Radio Network. Two hour. And what I discussed with them was recent article, and I'll, I'll run through this real quick before we bring on today's first guest, Mark Shaw. Uh, what I discussed with them was a recent article that I that I had written and released last weekend. Uh, so that was Saturday night, and then Sunday I did uh, did a double header. Um, I brought in brought on Dean Roeder to speak on uh, his research of the Nazi, the American Nazi involvement. Um, and if you are familiar with my programs, you, you're likely familiar with um, with the Nazi involvement, or the excuse me, the American involvement in Nazi Germany. Um, American companies did did indeed fund the Hitler regime. Uh, the unfold story of America's deal with the devil, the hidden Nazi. And, and you know, Dean had some really nice things to say. Um, it, it, I have received these compliments before. Uh, maybe it's an, it's a knack that I have. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. You know, I didn't start out. Um, I didn't start out in my. I, I think I had just turned forty. I didn't start out in my late thirties thinking, oh, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start a I'm gonna start a radio show or a podcast or. Um, I, it never never crossed my mind. I I I'd done various things. I would built a. Valley parking business. In, in fact, if you're in New York, next time you're in New York City, you see iPark. That's 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 my name. That's my company by name. Um, Imperial Parking bought that from me in 2012, maybe, maybe it was. Yeah, 13, I think, something like that. Uh, iPark, and I started that in San Francisco, as a matter of fact. 
Anyway, I've done various things. I never never saw myself doing a a talk show or a radio show or being an interviewer. But this happened, Discussions of Truth, you're listening to it, because of a woman named Kitty. And I'd picked her up. I was given a lift. I picked her up in a lift. I gave her a, a ride, a lit, literally the lift, the company. Uh, gave her a ride from South Beach over to Coconut Grove. And... Um, I had just stopped working for a, a, a guy, but th- that led me anyway. It, um, anyway, so she says, "Yeah, Ian, this research that you've done on the Zika virus just blows me away. Um, would you come into the online radio station that we have in Winwood?" I says, "Yeah, of course." She says, uh, "You know, I want you to talk about this stuff," and, and that just developed into a weekly a weekly show because the information I was uncovering, I became so passionate about it. I knew. I knew it was getting squashed, and then I began getting, uh, you know, Mark, or today's first guest, he, he, I was looking at the archive. He joined Discussions of Truth October of the, the within the, I think it was the first year that he's, he was one of the first guests of the show. But I, every week, and I, John Kariaku, former CIA agent, uh, Ray McGovern, uh, Dr. Tenpenny, um, these voices that were being squashed by mainstream media is what the show was attracting. And I'd reach out to these people, and they, they, they gladly came because they needed a, an outlet. It, 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 nothing has changed today, folks. Nothing's different. In fact, it's only getting worse. In the sense of mainstream media is getting worse. But I think there is a growing market for the alternative voice. Because people now are realizing the Department of Education is corrupt and, and, and public schooling is its getting to the point of being coming ridiculous. Uh, but this is, this is what happens. This is, how, this is how great nations become divided. Uh, you weaken, right? You, you create order out of chaos. Anyway, so Dean had some really nice – again, he's an attorney. He's a practicing attorney. Um, another invitation. He was invited to get involved in this story, the hidden Nazi – but he had some really nice things to say about about his time with me. This was Sunday, this past Sunday. He said, you're a great interviewer. Thank you very much, Dean. And I've done hundreds of these, he says. You've asked some questions I've never gotten before. You probe well, he says, and follow up well. And I compliment you on that. Again, I didn't ever set out that you know, people say, oh, you do great journalism. You know, I, I, it's not journalism to me. It's, it's, not, it's not journalism. It's... Uh, so it's like detective or investigative work. It's examining. And I started this website called Citizen Examiner because of it. I, I just uh, bought the domain. I thought, yeah, this is that's kind of what it is. It's a citizen examination. Because you're a citizen, you're a civilian of this country. That, that, and and it's, it's our duty. It's our duty to hold these elected, quasi-elected politicians, to hold them to the bar that we want them to sit at. Right? We want to set them out. We want to set the bar for them. And we have to we have to set that bar for them. And if we just let them run wild with the tax dollars like they do, Biden, Harris, I mean, these people, this is ridiculous. Pelosi, I'm Klein. It's getting a little out of control, guys. Uh, America is what I'm saying. You, listener. You know, you, we, we, you. So, anyway, out of out of necessity, I have invitation and then they see necessity. The, con- the program continues. I, I do this not for me. I, I do this not for me. Uh, this does not make me money. This does not make me 
this is, I do this because the country is falling, folks. I do this because I'm standing up for, so I guess I am doing it for me. I'm standing up for freedom. I'm standing up for my own freedom. I'm standing up for my own freedom. And I'm urging you to do the same. So I, I guess I am doing it for me. You know, I, 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 I retract on that. I, I am doing this for me. As much as I'm doing it for you, I'm doing it for me. But I'm doing it for you. Because all I'm doing, and I'm doing it for all the people. If you go to my, if you go to my uh, website, iantrotier.com, T-R-O-T-T-I-R.com, uh, and you click on the research tab, please, just, just grab all of that information. Grab, grab all that literature. Copy, taste it, paste it, put it somewhere else. Spread it around. This is all free information. PDFs are all free. There's no charge. And I've gathered this over the past five years, folks. It's and, and, and so I do it for the people that have written those books. That tried to get that information on and out to the masses and to the public. That's, that's why I do it, because there's corruption. I see, We seek out to destroy it. We seek out corruption, and we seek to destroy it. So I open up with Metallica. I've written to them, asking for permission uh, 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 to get the authorization to use their, their work. Uh, but I haven't received word back man, and I'll keep using it until and if they tell me not to use it anymore but that's the premise of that book so uh, or that um, that song so uh, so later in the day after Dean Ruder later in the day I had on uh, a, 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 a well I had on uh, Lucas Wall I apologize Lucas if you, you listen to this I mispronounce your name I'm calling you Hall Lucas has been written up a number of times and been business insider he's suing uh, he's suing uh, the Biden administration and the CDC and TSA. And in fact, I think that that case should be going to the court, uh, Supreme Court this week. Uh, and I had Josh Yoder come on the show uh, as a guest uh, uh, to, to to kind of provide his counsel. So that uh, that that hour included that Sunday, a special edition Sunday. And I'm starting to do these more and more. This week, I've got uh, going to do another special edition, folks. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do another special do- uh, special show. And um, Lisa Logan out of the state of Utah, uh, working to um, uphold some of this integrity, uphold some of the integrity, if you will, in in, in public education, um, fighting some of these ridiculous race-based uh, theoretical approaches to education, which I, I find uh, absurd. I find it totally absurd. I, I, I simply do. Um, yeah, I was I was in public schools as a youngster in, in, in Northern California. I, I, we never, never, you know, at that age in elementary school, we never saw differences. I mean, just me. Maybe you, know, maybe you have a different experience, but we never did. We had black friends. We had Chinese friends. We had Asian friends. You know, whatever it may be. We we were all we all loved each other. We all cared for you. We all played on the same field. We, and we never had any, any of these ridiculous divides today. And I, and I can I, I contend, folks. This is this is not an American thing. This whole race card. This is not. This is this is somewhere. This is this is coming from a tyrannic banking system that's seeking to destroy the United States and its constitution, because it's the constitution that makes the great economy. It just is. It's the free trade. The constitution it provides a level playing field, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of press, and and that's that's what makes a flourishing. Or you know, argue back. Or, uh, great. Uh, go ahead and argue that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can't. You can't. I mean, the Chinese, the Russians, the communism has not worked for, for any uh, nation. The, the, the U.S. Constitution is the greatest governing document ever written by man. Period. Pardon me. A sip of uh, liquid there. Um, yeah, that's... Okay, fine. That's my opinion. And it's also it's also my opinion based off of plenty of research. 
that there is a European-based central banking machine that is tearing down this country, and, it, and they're aiming at the Constitution. And if you look at the history of the country, they've been doing it since day one. That gets back, before we bring on Mark, and I know you're standing by, uh, that gets back to... Um, that gets back to the very first flag of the U.S. colonial flag that 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 Washington and Franklin approved on. That flag is the British East Indies uh, Indies Company flag, which means that the premise upon which America found its independence in 1776, July 4th, was based off of banking control. I don't necessarily make that argument, but I, but I, but I reveal some pretty interesting findings in that article. It's titled "Remember the Alamo," because uh, what was it last week? Two weeks ago, I was in San Antonio, and my good friend uh, took a video of me, and that turned out to be a great video. And I explained some things. This is the same banking machine out of Europe that is controlling the United States today. I, I, that's my argument, and it's hard. It's hard not to argue against that, folks. It's hard to against that. Because you're unable to prove, just as Anthony Sabatini said on the show four weeks ago, the Federal Reserve is unconstitutional and needs to be repealed. You, if you, unless you can show me who the shareholders are of the Federal Reserve and who the, who that has the best interest of, because it doesn't have the best interest of you, the people, we, the people, which makes all of us intense. Entonces, I was thinking Spanish here. Uh, 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 I do speak a little Spanish. Uh, which makes all of us economic slaves to this uh, to this banking system. Okay, and the second hour, I'm going to bring on Mark right now. In the second hour, folks, we're going to bring on uh, Peter McCall. So Peter McCall will be joining us in about an hour. He's going to come on at the uh, 630, uh, 6.30 Eastern slot, or about 5.20 right now, running late with Mark. And um, and then late, the, the last time, doing three hours, doing three hours here today. Yeah, John O'Connor is a, a lawyer, a former assistant uh, U.S. Uh, a, a general, attorney general, no, not attorney general. What was his title? Uh, not attorney general. Uh, anyway, he's, at, uh, assistant, uh, he's a federal uh, assistant uh, federal lawyer. I, I'm not, I don't recall the title right now. We're going to bring him on and talk about his thoughts on the Rittenhouse issue and uh, some of the other work that he's that he's working on. He's a, he's a big deal. You're going to like that like that one as well. So John O'Connor will be joining us the third hour. We're going to bring on Mark Shaw right now. Mark Shaw, is, this will be, the, I believe, the fourth time Mark has joined the show. Great uh Great author and lawyer himself, Mark Shar, ladies and gentlemen. Calling Mark Shar, but it got. Uh, let's see, I may have to bring him in on Skype. Yeah, this is the issue that I have with. Uh, yeah, see, Skype's got a poor connection, and then right now, see, I don't have a strong uh, cell connection. I got a got a got a strong Wi-Fi connection, but I got a weak. Oh, here we go, Mark. Okay, let's see here. Hold on a second. Mark, can you hear me? Okay. All right, I could not hear Mark. And that is, I'm going to run a quick test here, quick sound test. Are you going to continue with Seek and Destroy, make sure that picks it up? No, okay, so there's a... Let's see, there's an issue here with this equipment... I appreciate. What have I done here? What have I done? Let's see. Something going on with my. All right, let me run another sound tech. It came out great. The. the uh, there we are. 
Okay, so we should be good here. I guess I check. Okay, we should be good here to bring on Mark Shaw. Mark Shaw, ladies and gentlemen, you're gonna dial him in again. See that uh, see that he answers here. We should we get this uh, get this going here. Apologize for the uh, here we go. There we go. Yes, hello. Gotcha this time, Mark. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. You're a busy man. Mark, it's you know, I was looking back at the uh, I was looking back at the email threads that you and I had, and, and it seems that you first appeared on this program uh, October of 2017. Really? Um, wow! And this is now your 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 fourth fourth maybe fifth fourth time joining the program. You know, you and I go, but you you go back a ways, and and, and since since starting this, Mark, it's just uh, it's it's really picked up within the past year. The work that I'm doing here. Has really picked good. up within the last year. I'm glad for you. I really am. You're a good man, and I'm glad to hear that for sure. Good. Mark, uh, you're busy as well, and you keep digging into the Dorothy Kilgallen. Uh, let's let's get into update. Well, you know, if if listeners aren't familiar with your work, I think it's fair. Please give an introduction uh, to to who you are. Well, thanks. I'm a I'm a really blessed man. Uh, tomorrow will be my. It's hard to believe, but be my 76th. Thanksgiving, I was thinking this morning, so I'm very blessed to be uh, alive at this age and in good health and all of that, but uh, I never intended to be a, an author, uh, Ian. Um, I was a poor student at, at Purdue University, which is uh, archiving my body of work now, which means a lot to me, but I was a terrible student there and then uh, not even a very good student in law school, but uh, since then, I've, I've been uh, very fortunate with things. I became a criminal defense lawyer of some note and uh, then a legal analyst for, uh, for the Tyson and Kobe Bryant and O.J. Simpson cases and all of that. And then I began writing my books in 1992, and the first one was a biography of Mike Tyson uh, at his trial. Uh, I covered that for the networks and for USA Today. And um, that was my first book. I was very upset with the verdict in that case. I didn't think there was any evidence against him. And I've just been uh, publishing one book after another. Uh, I think next uh, year will be uh, about 30 years of doing this and almost 30 books. Uh, they say I'm a prolific author, author, which is nice to hear. But um, everything changed in 2006 when I uh, wrote, began writing a book about Melvin Belli, the, um, uh, uh, the um, attorney for, uh, for uh, Jack Ruby, who, as we all know, sh saw on television, shot to Lee Harvey Oswald just after the JFK assassination in 1963. And so I knew Mr. Belli from uh, practicing law with him in San Francisco in the 1980s. And I was very quizzical, Ian, as I know you would be as a curious guy, uh, how he became Ruby's lawyer because he was a personal injury lawyer. And then how he defended him with some ludicrous uh, psychomotor epilepsy defense that made no sense to anybody, including the jury, wouldn't let Ruby testify and all of that. And so. Um, what I found out about Belli and, and his main client at the time was a mafioso named uh, Mickey Cohen made me really curious about what had happened, uh, how, Ruby, how uh, Belli became Ruby's attorney, and then I began looking into that whole situation and went back to the 1960 election and on to then uh, coming in contact uh, with Dorothy Kilgallen, who was the uh, most credible reporter about the JFK assassination, because unlike me and all the other uh, authors and experts and everything who've written about the JFK assassination. Dorothy was actually there at the Ruby trial, the only one who interviewed Jack Ruby. And so taking her research uh, and, and including it with mine, 
I've written the books, uh, first of all, the, uh, the Poison Patriarch about Joe Kennedy in the 1960 election, then the bestseller, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much about Dorothy's investigation of the JFK assassination, then Denial of Justice that um, exposed the Ruby trial transcripts for the first time and showed that Ruby was part of a plot to kill the president, and the new one, uh, Collateral Damage, which for the, for the first time uh, I looked at something nobody else had done. I looked at the, uh, the JFK assassination in context with the uh, mysterious deaths of Marilyn Monroe in 1962 and Dorothy Kilgallen in 1965. You have to realize they died within 40 months of each other. And uh, based on my research, which was a little ass backwards, frankly, because I looked at Dorothy Kilgallen's, uh, I, uh, sorry, looked at the JFK assassination first, that was 63, then Dorothy Kilgallen's death and her investigation in 65, and then Marilyn in 62. But it really opens up uh, exactly what happened with the JFK assassination, which, of course, we celebrated with the, or not celebrated, but the, the 58th anniversary was yesterday. And uh, it really opens up everything because uh, uh, when you look at it that way, it changes uh, what, what we've known about the JFK assassination uh, because each of the three deaths are connected for the first time in collateral damage. That's, and that's amazing how you've, you've been able to, to connect those. I want to get your, your opinion on this. And I, I think the last mm -hmm. time you were on the show, you – I'm just going to throw this out there. I've recently – uh, I've recently had on this theologian. Uh, within the past six months, he joined joined my show. I, I find intriguing the work that he does. Uh, his name is Eric John Phelps. I think I may have sent you one of his one of his books. But I but I come across I come across this photo, uh, and it's got JFK and Richard Nixon standing at a at dinner uh, in the Waldorf Waldorf Astoria. It's called the Alfred E. Smith Memorial Dinner, New York City, 1960. It's got Nixon and Kennedy looking at each other and then in the middle of the of the two of them is a, is a man named uh, uh, Francis uh, let's get this area it's a uh, uh, Francis uh, Cardinal Spellman and oh, so yes. Oh, yes. what what do you what, what can you say about this character mark well you know it's it's, it's pretty pretty fascinating really that you would bring that up I'm amazed sometimes how these happened uh, I'm reading a book right now called the Pope and Mussolini and it goes back uh, to uh, just before World War I, uh, World War II, and uh, is it's just disturbing in nature about how the Vatican and the Catholic Church uh, basically were enablers with Mussolini taking power, and then of course Mussolini, uh, you know, and Hitler and all of that. And so uh, the reason I bring it up is because uh, even the American Catholic clergy uh, pandered to Mussolini and and even to Hitler at times as they were killing six million people and all of that, and one of them was Cardinal Spellman in New York City. And um, for him to be between Bobby, or excuse me, uh, JFK and, and, uh, and Nixon is not a surprise because I will tell you, both of them were very flawed men, for sure. Uh, you know, the 1960 election, and this is what I've used as the foundation for my five books that touch on the assassination, uh, the 1960 election, uh, you probably know, was going to be very close between Nixon and, and Kennedy. And Joe Kennedy, who was the smart guy and who also pacified uh, Adolf Hitler uh, before the war, um, you know, he, uh, he knew they were going to lose that election unless they won uh, West Virginia and Illinois. And that's a, that's a known fact and had been corroborated several times. And so what did he do? Well, he went to some of his 
friends in the underworld that he knew through Sam Giancana and Frank Sinatra and all of that and have them help him win the 1960 election. And, uh, you know, that, that was basically, uh, you know, going ahead and, and, and using fraud to win that particular election. And, of course, when Bobby Kennedy was appointed attorney general, he went after um, those mafioso, especially Carlos Marcello, who I've proven orchestrated the JFK assassination. But in the middle of all that, you've got the Kennedy family as, as the beacon of, of Catholicism. You know, they're, they're this, uh, you know, this family that worships God and, and uh, you know, is, is trying to live up to Christian beliefs and all of that when really uh, they're, they're not like that at all. And, and they were heavily involved with Cardinal Spellman. Dorothy Kilgallen knew him. There were a lot of, of people who knew Spellman and knew that he was not what he appeared to be, that he was actually wearing a mask and all that. So I think that's very interesting that you bring that up. And, of course, we know about Richard Nixon's flaws and him, you know, what he did when he got in office and everything. So that's a fascinating photo. I've never seen it before, and I'm, I'm just anxious to take a look at it. So I'll, I'll track it down and take a look. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. And this this uh, Nazi thing, you're you're talking about Mussolini, but this Nazi issue keeps coming up, and it's interesting how it does resurface. Uh, Sunday, I did a special special edition with a guy named Dean Router, and uh, he's also an attorney, uh, Mark. But but his book called "The Hidden Nazi: The Untold Story of Amer- America's Deal with the Devil." This is when I first started the show. I based it off of a lot of the research done by a guy named Anthony Sutton, that um, uh, that was a Hoover fellow at Stanford, and he had written extensively about some of the corruption in the banking system of the United States and connecting the Bush family, Prescott Bush mainly, and some of these other connections. Uh, he even went as far as writing a book called the uh, uh, something about Wall Street funding the Bolshevik uh, Revolution. What is it that you have found here? November 22nd, as you alluded to, um, Mark, I, I've, I've been in Dallas within the past six months, and I, I, was, at a, I was at a conference there um, just a few blocks from, from, uh, yeah. from Dealey Plaza. I'm supposed to be back in Dallas here in a couple weeks for, for another conference. Uh, November 22nd is an important date because as we, as we uh, Amer- the taxpaying citizens, uh, the civilians, as, as we try to hold uh, our government accountable for uh, mischievous or, or inappropriate activity, uh, you know, here we've got here we've got today, and you've dedicated the last number of years here of your life in regards yeah. to Dorothy Kilgallen. What can you say about this uh, this assassination, Mark? What do you, where are you at right now in, in regards to your research? Uh, and I know you don't focus necessarily on his assassination, but but update listeners as to where you're at in regards to that. Well, you know, it's it, people say, why is this all relevant? Maybe you get that question as well. You know, all this happened almost 60 years ago. Well, it's relevant in my opinion, Ian, because they didn't ask the right questions back there. In fact, they didn't ask any questions. When when JFK was killed and and J. J. Edgar Hoover shouted Oswald alone, Oswald alone, Oswald alone to the world, nobody except Dorothy Kilgallen, frankly, with her uh, with her stature as the most powerful female voice in America and her columns and everything, uh, you know, this revered reporter, she wrote columns, the Oswald file must not close and all that. She was the only one who really asked questions, but the public didn't. They swallowed hook, line, and sinker everything that JFK, uh, everything he said about JFK's death. And so that bothered me. And with Dorothy Kilgallen, when she died in 1965, 
of an alleged overdose of drugs. I've proven that was not an overdose. She was too close to the truth. She was writing a book for Random House and exposed uh, Marcello, who had the greatest motive to have killed JFK, so Bobby Kennedy would be powerless and not come after him and the other mafioso. Um, you know, she died in 1965 when she got too close to the truth, and I've proved that she was murdered. If you go back to 1962, uh, Marilyn Monroe, I've proven in Collateral Damage, the new book, had no reason really to have committed suicide. Dorothy wrote columns about how well she was doing, and she had found a romantic interest with a bigger name than Joe DiMaggio, her second husband. That landed me on Bobby Kennedy, and, and I prove in, in Collateral Damage that he had a torrid love affair with her in 1962, and when she threatened to go to the media about that and matters of national security that Bobby had leaked to her, they had to silence her. Nobody really asked questions about uh, Marilyn Monroe's death. And so I think that's the relevance here. And nobody has ever looked at what I have, and that is in this particular book, putting it all together and saying, all right, if you look at these three deaths in the, in the context of the JFK assassination, you will realize this point. And, it, and you have to kind of swallow it in, in short doses, but basically if Bobby Kennedy, Ian, would have been prosecuted for Marilyn Monroe's uh, death in 1962 based on the mountains of evidence there, and it had not been covered up as it was, then uh, he would have been powerless. He would have had to have resigned as attorney general, and that means that those enemies of, of uh, his, uh, like Marcello and others, would not have had to kill JFK to render him powerless, he would have already been powerless. And so there would have been no JFK assassination. And you can go further into 1965 because Dorothy Kilgallen would not have had to been silenced because there would have been no JFK assassination for her to investigate. So that, that really changes the course of history if you look at it. And the fact that there are these cover-ups as we go on through history in Maryland's death, in JFK's death, and now in, in and of course, in, in uh, Dorothy Kilgallen's death, but it goes to today, and I know you're, you're, you're aware of the fact that President Biden, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago said, well, no, no, we can't, we can't give you the, the JFK assassination documents again. And, and it, it, was, it was just shocking to me because, as you know, if you go back to the, for, the most recent former president, Trump, and then um, Obama and then the Bushes and Clinton and everything, they always use matter of, matters of national security as the reason why the American people can't know about this. But he took it to another, uh, another level with, a, with an inane uh, excuse saying that it would protect against, if they released it, we, we can't release it because it protects against identifiable harm to the military defense, intelligence operations, law enforcement, or the contact of, conduct of foreign relations. What in the world can anything in that those documents have to do with those subjects. It's just a lame excuse again, and I know you feel like I do, you know. This is why people do not trust the government anymore, because these kinds of lack of transparency make us really wonder what the heck's going on back there in Washington. I was not aware that Biden had made that comment, and it seemed like when Trump had gotten in the office, he released, what was it, 5,000 pages, but revealed very little. Um, exactly. And I wasn't I wasn't sure that I, or I wasn't aware that, that Biden w was continuing with this. What is Mark? What's being covered up here? What, what do you you know? I mean, national security uh, at stake. What could be so severe? Uh, what could be what could be so squashed here 
that could expose the, you know, blow the lid off of things. What are your thoughts, Mark? Well, I think people lose their common sense at times with regard to, to looking into things. I know there's all these theories out there about how JFK died and Marilyn died and Dorothy died and Bobby Kennedy in seven and 68 died and everything. But you've got to use common sense and you've got to look at motive in all of this. And, uh, you know, in, in collateral damage, uh, I really I really focus on all of that. And that's how I'm able to connect these three individuals who should have not should not have died at an early age. Marilyn, 36 jfk at 46 and dorothy at at 52 they should not have died uh, uh but nobody asked the right questions and there were the cover-ups and everything and so now we get into biden's excuse to not give us these documents and you know it's just beyond my imagination as as what can be in there that can cause any problems 58 years later i'm, I'm a little bit skeptical when the documents if they are released may very much follow what was in the warren commission report which has been lambasted through the years as being completely uh, fraudulent. So that may happen. But, you know, uh, what you have to do these days is people like you have to continue to, um, you know, try to promote the truth and, and, and have a reliable and primary source witnesses on, as I do in my books. And we have to do that to try to get people to, you know, stop and think about all of these things and, and be careful not to just take things that face value, whether it's the internet information or it's uh, local newscasts or it's uh, things coming from the president's office or wherever it is in our own neighborhoods, we have to ask questions because the right questions weren't asked back in, in, 19, uh, in the early 1960s for sure. Mark, you've proven that Kilgallen did not die of barbiturates and she was murdered. You, you've proven that. I, isn't that isn't that accurate? I mean, we, we've spoken now at least four times. We've met one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, that's proven. Uh, is, go ahead. Well, what I'm saying is that, you know, you have to watch being too close to the truth. I mean, uh, basically, with, with this particular book, yes, I've had a lot of strange emails. My email's been hacked, my Facebook page, all of that, with people saying, Mark, leave the Kennedys alone, you know. We want to remember Camelot and all that. Well, Bobby Kennedy needs to be held accountable for Marilyn Monroe's death, and I've proven that beyond a reasonable doubt. I lay it out, the evidence for the prosecutors, like you would do with a prosecutor would do at trial. And it's the same thing with Dorothy's death. Uh, uh, you know, I, I had a, a, a chance to talk to Dr. Michael Bodden, the famous forensic scientist, and I, and I, on a radio show, and I stunned him by saying, you know, your name is on Dorothy Kilgallen's autopsy. He said, what? I said, yeah. And you're the one that gave the news to the media that she died in an overdose. And he said, well, no, Mark, we, we shouldn't have done that. We didn't know what happened to her. Wow. And the same thing happened with Marilyn's death. You know, they just covered it up with Bobby's friend, the, the, the L.A. police chief. When I proved he was, I proved he was in L.A. On the, on the day she died, I've proven through a C.I. document that's torrid love affair. Uh, but nobody asked questions, you see, because they just brushed over all of that. And that's not what we need to do today. We need to ask the right questions, as I say. What's the most pressing question any listener listening to this, Mark? What, what do they need to start demanding? What, what is the question that you recommend listeners start asking now? Well, I think with regard to the, the three deaths that I you know, connect in the book, with Marilyn Monroe, uh, you know, it, 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 you can find my my uh, my uh, presentations and interviews uh, up on YouTube. I think there's almost three and a half million of them now up there, and you can go in and look at the presentations. You don't have to buy the book, 
and, and ask yourself, you know, when you use common sense about exactly what Marilyn was going through just before she died in August uh, of 1962, is, is this the woman, as Dorothy Kilgallen wrote, who would commit suicide at that point? She had everything going for her. Uh, she she had new movie offer authors uh, offer. She was going to remarry Joe DiMaggio. She uh, was so happy. She just had her first home. All of that. And I humanize both all three of these characters in Collateral Damage, so people can understand what we lost and what they lost when they died at an early age. Ask about Dorothy Kilgallen's death and why the New York District Attorney stopped the investigation in her death that he that he began. Uh, ask why the. Uh, New York Police Department uh, Commissioner Dermot Shea that I met with in New York and shook my hand and said, I will look into Dorothy Kilgallen's death, has not done so. Look into the whole situation with regard to the JFK assassination and why the documents are not being released. Ask your congressman, ask your senator, get those damn things released so we can figure out if any evidence in there really makes a difference as to what happened to him in 1963. Mark, I uh, four weeks ago, it's been four weeks now, and I'm just going to throw this out here to you. I want to get your reaction. Uh, Anthony Sabatini is a, is a young politician in Florida. Yeah, he's, uh, hold, he holds a, a representative seat, and he's running for the federal seat, Congress. Uh, great, great, great young guy, uh, University of Florida, J.D. And he says on my show, Mark, he says on my show, he says – he says, Ian, he says, the Federal Reserve Central Bank of the United States is unconstitutional and it needs to be revealed. Well, what we know is we, we look back, those of us who look at the JFK assassination, and, and you've done incredible work with Dorothy Kilgallen and tying it into Marilyn Monroe, and, and I never saw that. I mean, I knew JFK and Monroe, but I never, never went down that road and made those connections that you have. Is there something financial that's possibly being covered up here in your view, Mark? Mm -hmm. Well, you, you always have to look when you're, when you're looking at motive. What do they say? Well, when you, you find there's a murder, you look at jealousy, you look at uh, you know, these other motives that can be uh, uh, possible. But you know, in many ways, it all comes down to looking at the financial end of all this. I will tell you that I just found, a, and, I, and I have a lot of respect for a guy like Anthony who's looking into some of this. Because at the bottom, the bottom line is, you know, that, that it has an awful lot to do with uh, with uh, financial aspects. And I, I just found another uh, FBI file on Carlos Marcelo in New Orleans, uh, showing that his his uh, net worth in 1963 to 65 was something in the neighborhood of about 30 million dollars, which in those days that might have been a billion dollars. Well, he had the mo the strongest motive to have eliminated JFK, so Bobby would be powerless because Bobby Kennedy was going to. Uh, he charged him with racketeering. He was going to deport him again, and all of that. And so there's a financial, uh, you know, a financial connection there to what Marcello did. And I know there are these people, and I wish there would be more of them who would look into an awful lot of these financial connections. Uh, I've recently been contacted by someone who's told me about taking it all the way, all the way back to World War One and World War Two, with who financed an awful lot of the aggression there. And even in the in the book I just told you about the Pope and Mussolini, um, where did the money come from? Well, it was it was Henry Ford's trucks that were, you know, used in World War II, and there were and there were pacifiers like Joe Kennedy and all that money. There was something called the Union Bank that financed a lot of that. The United States has dirty hands with regard to an awful lot of that that happened back then. So, I, I really welcome those kinds of investigations. It's not something I've spent too much time on. 
but I really applaud those that, that are doing that. I had recently written an article, Mark, on uh, some information that I had come across and that uh, uh, there was something called a flag committee in 1775 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, Franklin was the chair and uh, Washington and two other two other people. But there was a there was a European that went unidentified uh, at that meeting and, and he was alluded to uh, as the professor. Um, there's there's various various uh, thoughts as to who that person was. But what we do know is that out of 1775, that meeting, uh, the the flag, the U, the first colonial uh, flag that uh, later became known as uh, Betsy Ross's Star Spangled Banner, it had flags on it, it had the 13 stripes. But this initial flag had crosses on it. And it was uh, it's basically the same flag that the Union Jack, and in fact, Buckminster, Fulls, uh, Buckminster Fuller, it's quoted as, uh -huh. as saying, hey, this flag's been used for 100 years. I've seen it on uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, using it. Uh, this is the flag of the British East Indies Company, Mark. So it's very possible, like you're saying, uh, that, that, that America has been doing some dirty, dirty economic work for, for, for many years. What do, you, what do you start to work on now, Mark? Tell listeners what you're working on. What's this newest book that you're attacking? Are you writing a newest book? And update listeners as to um, this movie deal that, that, you've, that you've got going. Yeah. What's, how's that developed? Well, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, I, would, I would encourage people to, to remember uh, the motto over here that I have on my wall during my, write, on my writing table. The dead cannot cry out for justice. It is the duty of the living to do so for them. And I've dedicated, uh, you know, almost 15 years into looking into these, these important deaths in our nation's history. And it is all about history. You are all about history. Anthony should be all about history. Uh, that, that's really important because we have to watch out for distortions of history. Uh, I will tell you, the, this whole Oswald alone uh, theory perpetuated, uh, for instance, now by the Sixth Floor Museum at Daly Plaza. It, it's a shrine to Lee Harvey Oswald, even though at least 80% of the American people believe that that never happened. They continue to distort history. And so I think we, we have to be uh, people who take the risk, and we're going to get abuse for it and all of that, uh, to try to find these distortions of history and rectify them. I'm very fortunate that about a month ago uh, it was announced by uh, you know, the Academy Award-nominated actor-producer Mark Wahlberg's uh, production company in Hollywood. Uh, they have optioned the uh, media rights to collateral damage with the intention of producing a documentary uh, based on documentary film based on my research with the three subjects in collateral damage. And what I hope that will do uh, is is uh, present uh, what I think is as close to the truth about what happened to the three of them, as well as really trigger investigations by the New York DA or the police commissioner or by uh, the L.A. Uh, District Attorney ja George Gaston, who I sent a copy of collateral damage to a 375-page uh, evidence report to on on the death of Marilyn, asking him to re to reinvestigate, and I haven't heard from him. So hopefully the visuals that we will have. Uh, and people can go to the uh, go to Google and find the announcement of that documentary. I hope that'll make a difference because uh, we really need to to, to be able to, uh, to 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 have people stop and think about these instances in history uh, and and go back in history like you're you're talking about doing. Because uh, yes, the United States always tries to seem it seems like don't they try to come off as a goody two shoes nation? But we've been uh, at the at the at the thick of. Um, problems that have ca caused an awful lot of uh, issues uh, since way, way, way back when.
Yeah, and as and as Dean Reuter has alluded to, uh, yeah, America's been maybe he maybe had a deal with the devil for for, for many years. I mean, that's 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 just quoting uh, his 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 work. Um, okay, this is great to hear the Mark Wahlberg angle. Um, and 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 where do you where do you go from here, Mark? What what do you, where do you go from here? Well, I, I really believe that there's a, a you know, uh, the, the early 1960s were a very, very uh, tragic, sad, dangerous time. Uh, we not only lost, uh, we lost uh, Marilyn, we lost JFK, we lost Malcolm X, uh, and, and uh, you know, others during that time, and then Dorothy Kilgallen, and then in 1968, Robert Kennedy uh, was assassinated. Uh, I truly believe that at some point I'm going to be able to connect uh, the Bobby Kennedy death to Carlos Marcello as well. And again, it goes back to motive because, uh, you know, Bobby Kennedy basically admitted when JFK died that he knew it was Marcello who had orchestrated the JFK assassination. It was a common sense, and he told several of his associates that. So if you're Marcello and you've got this uh, billion-dollar empire that stretches on to, uh, to Dallas, and Dorothy Kilgallen had proven that there was a connection between Marcello, J uh, Jack Ruby, and, and Oswald, and I've confirmed all that in collateral damage. If you're him and you know that you got away with murder, let's say, basically, with JFK, and now, wait a minute, Bobby Kennedy is going to become president of the United States in 1968. Do you want that to happen? Because Bobby was telling everybody, uh, you know, that Marcello was uh, involved in, and orchestrated JFK's death. You don't want Bobby Kennedy coming back at you when he becomes president, and predictably, he probably would have. So I'm really looking into the uh, connection uh, between Marcello and what happened to um, to uh, Bobby Kennedy in '68. This whole thing with Sirhan Sirhan is a real puzzle, confusing puzzle. You know, it's gotten in the news. Bobby Kennedy Jr. is now um, approval of the of the uh, uh, parole of him. But that whole situation has never been revealed, uh, I think, in a, in, a, in a manner conducive to good research. And so I'm going to work on that a bit in the, in the, in the coming days. And let's, let's go back for a minute. Uh, this makes me think of a, a comment somebody had recently mentioned to me. You're talking about Illinois in that, uh, as a swing state in that election, the Kennedy election. Right. Are you, have you seen any, any, any evidence of voter fraud dating back to that election. And the reason I say this, Mark, is because uh, a book that's recently come my way, it's called Voter Scam, written by two uh, brothers, I believe it is, Collier, C-O-L-L-I-E-R. And they allude to a they allude to a news uh, group that has uh, colluded with um, IBM technology and maybe IBM itself. I haven't gone through the book. It's called Vote, Voter Scam or Vote Scam. And they're saying that the that the uh, presidential elections, and this is written back in the 80s, Mark, they're saying the presidential elections were uh, rigged dating back to LBJ. Uh, do you see anything in this uh, this this Kennedy election? Well, yes, I, I do. And, and I'm not surprised at some of that. You know, we, we try to do the best we can, I think, with regard to the elections, and uh, there's always going to be issues and, and all of that. But if you go back to the 60 election especially, you know, that was very, very close between uh, Nixon and Kennedy. And uh, right in the middle of that, basically how that happened is J uh, Joe Kennedy knew they were going to lose those two states, but especially Illinois. So he uses Frank Sinatra and his connection to Sam Giancana, who's the Chicago gangster there. And so he, he brings in those guys to help him win the election, tells them he's going to leave them alone. When they get in the White House, if they help them win, they win. Then they seek body, uh, sick Bobby Kennedy after them. But at the middle of all of that was maybe the most corrupt mayor in American history, 
uh, Mayor Daley. And uh, my my, my research has showed, and I think it's been proven through the years, that there were people who voted twice and who, you know, shouldn't have voted at all and everything else like that. And so, you know, uh, I think it happens. And and unfortunately then, you know, um, you have the kind of situation where that's covered up very well. Uh, The Republicans in that particular uh, race never objected really too much to it. And so John F. Kennedy became president of the United States. And... You know, uh, I'll tell you another thing that I, I truly, believe, truly believe and be interested in your opinion about this, but there is something, as you know, called the Kennedy curse. And uh, if you look at that family through the years, I mean, the number of tragedies, deaths, um, whatever it may be, going to, you know, Ted Kennedy with what happened with Chappaquiddick and uh, JFK Jr. dying, Jack Kennedy dying, Bobby Kennedy dying. Um, you know, they've had all of these terrible things happen within the Kennedys. And hats off to people who want to still believe in the Kennedy, um, you know, family and all of that. But they were bad people, and and you get what you deserve in life uh, with with all that karma and everything, the bad karma. And so it stretches back to that 1960 election. Um, You know, if if they had not had, just think about this, if Joe Kennedy hadn't gotten those mafioso to help them win that election, Richard Nixon would have been president. Think about how that would have changed history, for sure. And so, you know, there's these times in history uh, where one thing or another could have happened. We could have gone one way or another with, uh, with, the, uh, with the future of the country. And, and I'll bet if you go back to all the elections, you would have seen an awful lot of differences in terms of what had happened with the U.S. Uh, if the election ha- outcome had been uh, uh, different than it was at the time. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. The more, the more that... The more that I'm sure you to concur, the more that I study and the more I find that I uh, learn, the more I realize that I don't know hardly anything. And uh, the one the one comment that I would make in regards to uh, in regards to this, this so-called Kennedy curse uh, and, and, and certainly uh, their involvement in, 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 in the whiskey trade and perhaps maybe the, the House of Bourbon, I, I don't know how far back that goes. But the one thing that stuck out of my mind is actually the same source that I opened the discussion up with you today and in regards to this theologian and some of the work that he's done, this Eric John Phelps. And he says that there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, some of these societies, right? Some of these societies uh, become corrupt and they're, and they're secretive and, and they have their, they have their networks and their connections and uh, who knows really at the bottom line what they're doing and why they're doing it. But this is what Eric John Phelps says. He says a lot of this had to do with the, the fact that their involvement with a group called the Knights of Malta. So then you're, so then I'm asking, okay, well, you know, what, who were the Knights of Malta? What were they? What was Malta? You know, what was, what was the connection between Greece or you know maybe uh, you know Malta being a, an island off the coast of Italy? Yeah, you know, how far back does this go? I don't know, Mark. Uh, you know, I haven't gone that far. Uh, but but certainly there are there are some of these old European powerful families such as Orsini that I've spoken about recently, and even Medici. You know, these are families that produce popes. Um, these are very wealthy, very powerful families. How far back can we go? Uh, but that's, you know, that's that's my comment in regards to that. Maybe you have something. Well, if you just, if you go, you know, follow the money. You yeah. Know, it's, uh, follow the money, uh, because many, many times that's what this is all about. It certainly is also about power. There's, there's no question about that. The tug of war for power in our country right now is just, you know, you know that's that's at the crux of everything. But it's also all about money because 
those powerful people. I mean, Joe Joe Kennedy was a bad guy, as I put in the Poison Patriarch, and I even show more now with regard to uh, his evil ways in collateral damage. Because, you know, if again, uh, it was Bobby Kennedy and and Joe Kennedy's abuse of power in 1961 and 62. The collateral damage of that is the death of Marilyn Monroe. Uh, JFK and Dorothy Kilgallen. Uh, there's just no question about that, and I, I've been, um, you know, really honored with people uh, agreeing with those theories. Everybody doesn't, of course, but it's pretty much common sense. And so I've resolved three true crime murder mysteries, which really weren't mysteries at all. And I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I, I'm really not the greatest researcher in the world. But the 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 truth was out there with regard to what happened to these three individuals. And yet, uh, for whatever reason, uh, people just, uh, you know, they just ignored uh, the real evidence that was there. And so today we have those distortions of history, and we have Dorothy Kilgallen and Marilyn Monroe's reputation still ruined, that Marilyn committed suicide, which she did not, and Dorothy died as a drug addict, which she didn't. And so I'm going to continue to work as hard as I can to get justice for these two women and JFK as well. Mark, thank you very much for your work, and thank you for joining the program. I want you to take a minute and leave listeners with some final, final thoughts. Uh, what you, what you'd like them to walk away with this episode? Well, again, just ask questions and watch for distortions of history. Watch for people who are, you know, uh, you know, saying things that that, that really can't be corroborated, and and they're doing for the, that for their own motive. And I, I wanted also say, you know, many of the of the uh, of the evidence that's in my books including collateral damage comes from listeners and viewers of my interviews or presentations so uh you can go to mark shaw books and find out find me there to get in touch or it's m shaw i n at yahoo.com please get in touch with me i answer every single uh, inter- uh email that i get and i welcome uh, you know criticism if that's what you want to do or uh, at least if you know something that uh, you think will help me with my research please get in touch with me Mark, thank you very much. Pleasure speaking with you again. Until next time, I'll be looking forward to it. All right. Take care of yourself. You're a good man. I appreciate it, Ian. Bye-bye. There's Mark Shaw, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, look, I mean, yeah, he's very, very humble. Uh, he's been joining the show October is what I found. October 2017. I started this show, a show officially in January. 2017, I think it may have been, I have to look and see what the first Wednesday was, the first Wednesday of that month, is the new year, uh, just after the new year, and uh, I think I had, I think I had picked uh, Kitty up, wherever she is, she's still, she might be in Miami, I don't know where she is, uh, I think I picked her up in a lift in uh, November uh, of that month, um, anyway, um, Mark Shaw, this, this is a guy that Crosses his eye, uh, crosses his T's, dots his eyes. He does phenomenal work. He do, he simply just does great work, and as you can see, he means business. Uh, yeah, he's meeting with the right peoples. He's filing lawsuits where he needs to file lawsuits. He's an attorney, right by trade. That's what he is, and he's very good at it. And he's he's obviously given uh, given some he's he's given some great. Uh, He's given some great commentary on some pretty, pretty key cases in in, in, in modern history of this country. So, um, ask questions. Keep asking questions. Buy his book. Uh, get out. Get out there now and, and 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 look look at what he's doing. Support him. Uh, this is this is where we're at, folks. 
the United States, this is where we're at. It's up to us. It's up to you as a listener. It's up to it's up to me. It's up to each and every one of us to keep this country moving along as a beacon of freedom for all. But that but that means, as I've already mentioned, that means demanding transparency. That means holding these politicians up to a high standard. Uh, taking these folks to task. They work for us. Don't you ever think otherwise. These people represent and work for us. And if they are not representing your interests, you make your voice heard. Make your voice heard. Make it clear how you feel. And if they are not representing you, then they need to learn how to. I'll be back in a few moments. We're going to bring on Dr. McCullough, Peter McCullough here at the 30-minute mark. We've just crossed that uh, top of the hour, so it is over 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard. Uh, I'll take a few moments here. I'll let, uh, if you're listening live, I'll let uh, whatever whatever is uh, on, 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 on deck to run. It's a past episode. I keep them running on the website 24-7. Uh, so you can listen to people like... Uh, uh, Charlotte Eisebet, for instance. Charlotte Eisebet, you're talking about education system. Uh, she wrote uh, an incredible book uh, that exposed the corruption in the education system. What you know? What kind of what kind of beast? Right? Let's look at it from that point of view. Well, what kind of beast would want to disrupt? I mean, it's just it's just is it is, is folks? Is it just Blatant uh, imperfection, greed, uh, incoherence of the human being that causes these things? Yeah, possibly. But is there, is there also possibly another machine? Is there also possibly another highly sophisticated, well-oiled mechanism? And, and, and if you talk to Brigadier General Robert Spalding, who joined this show, uh, over a year ago. He says, Ian, the United States has been invaded by a stealth enemy. Is it the Chinese? I contend no, folks. It's not the Chinese. The Chinese have not invaded. It is a system, it is a banking system, is what I contend, that controls the Chinese. Yes, post-World War II, the Chinese adopted a central bank, 1945, the same year the United Nations was adopted. There is a central bank out of Europe. That, to my understanding, and you may prove me wrong if I am incorrect, this central banking system out of Switzerland, Basel, you know, the mechanics maybe there might be more elements involved, the International Monetary Fund, that sort of thing. But the Bank of International Settlements, Basel, typically on a grand scale, from my understanding, and may be wrong, uh, it 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 basically regulates all central banks, central banks that that feed into it. That includes Russia. And certainly includes the Federal Reserve Central Bank of the United States. So, what does freedom mean to you? Well, don't take it for granted, is what I'm saying. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted the fact that you're able to listen to a voice like me, or you're able to read the work of Mark Shaw, or listen to his voice. Don't take this for granted. Do not take it for granted. We'll be back in a few moments. Folks, thanks for listening. Pass the work on. And uh, 
and be be awesome. Be right back with you. Peter McCullough in about 25 minutes.